0: Welcome to All Things
1: Beer, a Pat's Pints, Mark's Mugs podcast. I'm Pat Woodward. And I'm Mark Richards. Each month, we are joined by brewers, enthusiasts, and friends to explore the techniques, the culture, and the history of mankind's best invention. So grab beer and join us as we discover a world of all things beer. Well, we are up in Akron area today. And we are really excited to have a friend of mine for a long time and a man who knows a lot about Ohio beer, Rick
2: Garman. A man who's forgot a lot about beer. <laughs> uh-huh. Thank you. It's great to have yeah. you here at Home Base. I'll just do a little introduction, not that most people need an introduction to Rick. Rick, you grew up in Cleveland, is that correct? Grew up in Cleveland, yep, on the east side. Went to uh, St. Bonaventure University in upstate New York. I was going to go into radio. I thought I was really funny and I was going to be a morning person and that didn't work out. And somehow I backed into newspapers and enjoyed writing and ended up never leaving. Well, this is your second chance. A podcast is kind of like radio, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So the listeners
1: will have to chime in on whether you you know had a lost opportunity (laughs) in radio. Exactly. At some point,
2: you moved back to Ohio. After college, I came back and worked at a couple of newspapers around the area in Lisbon, Salem, Mansfield, and then moved to Rochester, New York, got married while we were there. And my wife's from the Toledo area, and we decided that we wanted to move back to Ohio and be closer to family. And so I ended up at the Akron Beacon Journal. I was doing a beer column at the newspaper up in Rochester. And when we moved back, I begged and begged and begged and begged and begged for them to let me write about beer. And they were like, no, 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 no. (laughs) And finally, they let me do a couple stories here and there. And then I kind of flipped it into a beer column and, and a beer blog, you know, for a long time. Rick has published two books about beer in Ohio.
1: The first one was
2: just called Ohio
1: Breweries, right?
2: Travel Book was part of a kind of series of state books that Stackpole Books put out at the time. And Lou Bryson wrote the one on New York, and I interviewed him and wrote about the book when I was in Rochester. And then when I moved here, he was always telling me, you should write the Ohio one. You should write the Ohio one. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't have time. I don't have time. And then I came within a whisker of moving to St. Louis and becoming the Anheuser-Busch reporter for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch.
1: Oh, wow. They, they I offer, didn't know
2: that. Yeah, they offered me the job, and ultimately we decided as a family not to move down there. And so after that, I'm like, well, you know what? I'll do the Ohio Breweries book. So I did that right after. It came out in 2011, right? 2011. The beer blog really started... Right around the same time that the book came out, so I basically told the Beacon, hey, I'm going to start a blog to support the book, and if you want me to do it here at the newspaper, I'll do it at the newspaper. If not, I'm going to do it on my own, and they said go ahead. So,
1: In today's show, we're going to talk about what I've called three eras of craft beer in Ohio, and so the first era would be from 1988 when Great Lakes opened up until 2009. Second era is going to be the Teens. Third era will be the 20s, the modern day. But I don't know about everyone else on the show here, but I'm getting a little bit thirsty, and so I think <laughs> let's crack open a beer from the first era, maybe the best-known beer from the first era, or maybe not. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Got a couple bottles of the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter from Great Lakes Brewing. It's a good beer.
2: This is an outstanding beer. And I always find it interesting to talk about, you know, the rise of Great Lakes, too, because I went to St. Ignatius High School, which is literally a stone's throw away from Great Lakes and spent so much time there going to high school. And to see the transition in that neighborhood is unbelievable. That's a cool place now. What was it like before Great Lakes? A rat hole. You had St. Ignatius High School, which is a well-known you know, high school that draws from around Cleveland. And you had the West Side Market, which is a phenomenal market. that's great. Yeah, I would love going in. And then sort of after that, maybe you had people would consider Hansa House, which now has a brewery, which didn't at the time. That was a cool Um, place back then,
0: though, really, too. Yeah, that was
2: for beer. Right. Other than that, nothing. I mean, the entire area was terrible. And Mm -hmm. when I was going there, somebody pulled a cleaver and attacked my brother i mean it just wow. wasn't oh, wow. a, it just was not a nice neighborhood at all a meat cleaver yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow
1: okay that's like a that's a distinctly northeast ohio way to mug someone i guess yes yeah.
2: I, I mean it really it was a really ugly ugly neighborhood <laughs> uh, at the yeah. time well it's a place to be
0: now for sure well I mean, exactly
2: it's such a wonderful area now you know you've seen all the studies too about how craft breweries have helped Transform neighborhoods and there's no better example of what happened there than Great Lakes going in. Yeah. And, you know, changing the atmosphere there and changing the culture. And, um, anybody who knows anything about craft beer or loves craft beer has been to Ohio city. Sure. And knows what it's like now. And it wasn't anything like that. Now, aren't they moving the production facility now? Is that what I understand? There is talk about that. Okay, like yeah. moving, right? Yeah. I think what I heard
1: is that they purchased 17 acres in Avon, Ohio, Okay, which is maybe where they're going to build. It's not too far away, but... That's what I know. Yeah. yeah. That's the extent of it. We should say a little bit more about the Edmund Fitzgerald while we've got it here. It's Um, delicious. Yes. I was just thinking back in the early or mid-teens, there was this thing that went around where beer bloggers were asked to write about like six beers from their state. You did it, and I did it, and Tom Aguero did it, but... Back in the early teens, let alone in the 90s or the aughts, I mean, this would have probably been the most famous beer in Ohio.
2: Definitely, it's one of them. I mean, Dortmund or Gold, obviously, built that brewery, and Christmas Ale kind of didn't hurt, (laughs) didn't hurt. I looked it up before the show, but it's won medals
1: at the GABF five times, including gold medals in 91, 93, and 02, and then also won a couple silver medals at the World Beer Cup, so a very celebrated beer, although... I don't know, maybe not on everyone's radar these days.
2: At this point, this remains my favorite Great Lakes beer. If we go back to this era, that would
1: be, let's say, the 90s and the first decade of this Mm -hmm. century, your book is a really good resource because you put when every brewery was founded, Founded and and it's a snapshot in time. So there were 49 breweries, I think, in the book. Correct. I took out, just for the sake of it, Miller, Coors, and Budweiser being... Somewhat different in being really large breweries. So, if we then take the other 47. And Sam, and Sam, Sam Adams, Adams also. as well. Yep. Right. So, if you take those out, then we've got 46 so-called craft breweries. Right. But there were 21 that were founded in the 20th century, you know, up to 1999. And then 15 founded between 2000 and 2009. And even in your book, there were 10 breweries just in 2010, 2011. Right. So, it's just on the cusp right. of when things were starting to go up. How would you say breweries were
2: different in 2005 than they are now? Well, I mean, I I think there's two things. One, and and I mean, you guys are old enough and have been around long enough to know there were no tap rooms back then. (laughs) I I mean, you didn't go to a brewery and have a beer. If it was a production brewery, it was a production brewery. It was just brew pubs and production breweries, right? Yep. And, you know, you could not go to a production brewery and sample beer. You had to buy a separate license when that changed, that helped with the explosion. It was brew pubs and, and production breweries. That's it. And
1: I guess that's part of the reason why we can have so many breweries today than we had back then. The economy wouldn't support 400 production breweries in Ohio all trying to sell their beer at the grocery store, right? Right. I guess another difference, if we talk about going to the store and picking up a beer, this one, the listeners at home can't see, but it's in a bottle. And of course, all the craft beer would have been in a bottle in yeah. 2005, right? I'm surprised it's still in a bottle cuz they do can. Yeah, they brought us true. Right.
2: Everyone eschewed, is that the right word? I'm trying to my word of the day calendar. <laughs> I uh, like your attempt to put the fancy words it's a in nice there word. cuz <laughs> I know
1: sometimes you criticize me for saying things like terroir or things like that, so I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> you know, no one wanted to be in a can. Yeah, it was seen as sort of that's where the cheap beer went, right? That's where your <laughs> Schlitz and Strohs, you know what I mean? That, they Nobody wanted to be in a, a a can. Everyone wanted to be in a bottle. And then there was one other huge difference. Beer wasn't over 8%, 12%. You know, you had no real high alcohol beer right back then. And if you go back a little bit further, we had
1: Angelo Signorino on the show recently, and he was talking about the days when the limit was 6% ABW, which is, I think, 7.6 ABV. So there was a time when you yeah. couldn't even have an 8% be beer overrated. in Ohio. Yeah, right. yeah. But maybe one other difference is if I went back to Brewers Association records and they keep track of like which kinds of beer sold the most. And so I looked at 2009 and the top selling style or type of beer in 2009 was seasonals. And the second best selling style was pale ales.
2: Now, the pale ales doesn't surprise me. Seasonals, I guess, does a little bit. Just, yeah. I, I don't know how often people were making seasonals back yeah, then. Yeah, but this would fall under a seasonal, maybe. Well, and so would the
0: Christmas I, ale.
2: I don't think so. No, I thought Edmund Fitzgerald was year round. I yeah. think so. Um,
1: yeah. But Christmas ale would. Right. Pumpkin beers would. Correct. Oktoberfest type beers would.
2: That's true. Um, uh, Bach beers. Okay, yeah. I, yep. I take back my previous objection.
1: <laughs> but the main thing is that IPAs were not dominant right.
2: in in yeah. those days. Right. Yeah,
0: and as it relates to SKU, they kind of want you to file things a certain way. You can only get so many SKUs in the grocery stores anyway, so... You know, the way those are broke down, sometimes you always have to have something on a seasonal skew. So even things that maybe you wouldn't consider seasonal sometimes run.
1: are run out of that skew. Sure. So Rick, if you were to go back and look at those breweries that you profiled back in that first book, are there any that are no longer here that surprise you? A couple that were tiny then that are big now would be like Fatheads and Jackio's. What would you say made the breweries that were successful successful
2: and the ones that failed Could you see that coming? Well, I I mean, the breweries that succeeded, like the Fatheads and the the Jackios in in terms of growing the the hop and frogs that that were small, they made darn good beer. You know what I mean? I I mean, there were some that, you know, struggled with their beer, but, you know, because it was brew pub or production brewery, I think you had a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon, trying to start a brew pub. And I've talked about this, like people who knew beer, but they knew nothing about running a restaurant. Yeah. And you had people who knew everything about running a restaurant, but nothing about beer. So sometimes those two things didn't mesh. And when they didn't, you know, one side would pull the other down. Yeah. Well, it's kind of reassuring that the places that prospered made great beer. Mm -hmm.
1: But I think it would also be fair to say that alone, that's not enough all by itself Right Yeah, there's other things that can go wrong even if you make great beer But it sure helps a lot to make excellent beer let's move into the teens and that's i think where things got really interesting in a lot of ways the explosion yeah. yeah
2: and and again we've already talked about it a little bit i think the reasons are you know the state allowing breweries to offer samples and sell on premise like wineries did forever right yeah. but for some reason you weren't allowed to do it as a brewery you had to buy a separate license that led to a lot of kind of mom and pop smaller operations knowing that they could launch a brewery, be successful, and sell on premise, and they don't have to be in the grocery store at first if they don't want yeah. they could they could kind of grow as they go,
1: yeah, it made it a lot easier financially
2: to kind of give everyone
1: a baseline of kind of what we're talking about this expansion that happened during the teens in Ohio we were just established that we had in 2009 somewhere around 45 breweries at the end of the decade something like 400 pretty close to 400 right so <laughs> yeah. that, i mean that's a phenomenal rise but if i look at the national statistics that are put out by the brewers association here's a few numbers for you in 1999, there were 1,506 breweries in the United States that were members of the Brewer's Association. In 2009, that had gone from 1506 to 1596. So we picked up 90 breweries across the entire country. But in 2019, that number was 8,275. So it's like five, six times increase. So it was not just specific to Ohio. I mean, this was happening everywhere across the US. And you might say, well, maybe there's just a lot of small breweries and we're still drinking the same amount of beer. And maybe the beer consumption might not change that much. But the amount of beer sold by craft brewers in 2009 was 9 million barrels. And then in 2019, it was 26 million barrels. So it went from 4% to almost 14% mm-hmm. of the market.
2: And some of that's sucking away from you know the national brewers sure. yeah. as well. yeah. That, that percentage would probably be even greater if, you know, Anheuser-Busch hadn't been buying up some craft brands, too. Right? Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah, that's true. Although you have the Brewers Association keep changing the rules to keep, keep <laughs> right. people like uh, well, a Boston true. Beer like,
1: Company in the fold or Yingling right. in the fold. Or adding Yingling. Wasn't Yingling At not some point, in and they
2: got added? That could be. They're, They're out certainly out, in, in now, it. Yeah. right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious because for years and years, our family would go to Atlantic City for vacations Mm. and you could buy yingling some of my friends there look at it as that was the crap like (laughs) you know (laughs) that's like the straws and yet whenever i went there i'd always grab it because it's a local brand right right. you know something you can't get anywhere else and they really marketed the america's oldest brewery america's oldest brewery And, and and i think that just Really helped them And it's a You know Decent brand Yeah Yeah. They're still independent too Aren't they Yeah -hmm. So you gotta give them A little bit of
1: Cred there and I'm not trying to crap on uh, yingling at all. I would just say. No, apparently but, you are. <laughs> Go on.
2: And they come out with the Hershey's chocolate. <laughs> That's, That's a weird thing. <laughs> That's a weird thing. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, but, I mean, they also, in addition to their regular, like, lager and their green bottles. Yeah. I mean, they also had the black and tan, which, yeah. you know, back yeah. then you couldn't necessarily get anywhere. That's true. Yeah. So, and they did back have. Then. Right. And you had a Porter or something too uh, they that, did. that, that, that yeah. they yeah. had. Yeah. So, I mean, they did have a couple other, you know, brands. Yeah, see, that, come on, Pat. All right. Hey, you guys convinced Don't me. Don't be Pat? a hater. I
0: <laughs> now, I saw you reach in your magic beer bucket over there. What we got?
1: Well, our next beer, we're moving into the teens. And so we got drinking drink an IPA. And one of Ohio's most beloved IPAs, it's double IPA really, yeah. is Bodie by Columbus Brewing Company.
0: Now, you're saying IPAs became popular in the teens.
1: huh? In in 2011 was the first year that they topped the list for yeah. the Brewers Association, and I think it's just gone up from there. At least that's my observation. Has it gone up
0: or has it gone down? <laughs> it depends on your perspective. Well,
1: what about, do both of you guys think about the proliferation of
0: IPAs? Now, this is a great IPA. I think IPA has replaced the American lager.
2: Wait, are you talking IPA or hazy IPA or double IPA? Exactly. or Double hazy IPA exactly. or juicy IPA, IPA or New England IPA, uh, West Coast IPA? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Let me play devil's advocate here a little bit on this question. So if I were to go, I mean, and things are changing all over the world, but if I were to go to Bavaria, I would expect to see everywhere they have lagers. Oh yeah, and, and if I Damn. were to go to you know uh, England, which I live for
2: a year, you know, I would see. Does Oath- he throw that in a lot? I mean, does he <laughs> every I, other episode more or less? I know that. Every, I try to keep track of where he is in the world, yeah. and he's always somewhere. So I assume he's always dropping hints of like, oh, yeah. well, when I was in Australia, or when I was uh, uh, <laughs> when I was here, when I was there. You
1: know me too well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just to finish my thought, though. So the point being that certain countries, certain parts of the world are associated with certain kinds of beer. And could I make the argument that, you know, in the U.S. we were starting from an, almost an entirely blank slate, yeah. if you go back to something like 1980. We are the IPA now. And, 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 mm-hmm. and so lots of things were tried, and maybe IPA is the thing that's stuck, and that's America's beer now. Mm. I don't, well, that, that's just a question. I don't know. What do you think about that proposition?
0: It, yeah. America is the IPA. That said, this is so goddamn good, isn't it?
2: Uh, the, the nose, I mean, yeah. every, everything it's about great. this it's great. It's got the old school and new
0: school. It's got some of those tropical fruits on the nose. It's got the old school pine soapiness, you know, that we love. I haven't tried the Bodhi Variations, have you? Mm-hmm. A little bit, yep. yeah. Yeah, right. I'm not I mean, it's, a fan. It's an unbelievable I mean, beer. I, it seems I, unnecessary to add fruit to beer anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Especially an IPA that already has so much fruit character from right. available in hops. Yeah, it's a little silly. But, I mean, they're good beers.
2: Yeah, they are. I keep seeing it in the store, and mm. I'm like, I, yeah. I got to pick that up. Right. Because, I, again, this is just... I think they've f- got like a 12-pack with all four, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I think back... Way back, we had this conversation too, and I wrote something about how Ohio should be known for IPAs. Because There's a lot of, of great ones Because here. of all the awards that, oh, yeah. you know, the, whether it's Headhunter. Especially up here, Fatheads. Good Lord. Right. They clean up. Headhunter, Bodie, mm-hmm. um, White Raja. Well, yeah, I forgot about Brew Kettle. They're it, up around here. Right. JFB, JFB Mexico B, Right. Yeah. And, and I remember people just ripping me to shreds of like, <laughs> nobody does IPAs like, California Bullshit. does. No. And I, and I was guess, like, all right, was... well, just look at the awards. Yeah. You'd yeah. see Ohio in there
1: quite a bit. I would agree. Another thing about the evolution of IPAs during the teens that you can kind of forget if you don't think back, but just there were a lot of hops that were developed that came out. And I right. made a little list of some of those. This particular beer now can, features Citra, Azaka, and Idaho 7 hops. It absolutely did not feature all Of those same hops back in 2009 when it first debuted, sure. but I think probably Citra, yeah. Idaho 7 wasn't even out yet. Well, here's the list of just some in 2008, Widmer Brewing out in Oregon won a gold medal at one of the big competitions for beer called IPA X114. X114 was the name of Citra hops, mm-hmm. so then, so basically, Citra was released in 2008, Galaxy in 2009 el dorado in 2010 mosaic in 2012 mosaic
0: was a real one, game changer one, on one of my IPAs. personal yeah. favorites mm-hmm. yeah and, Mosaic. So, yeah.
1: it's hard to think about american ipa without citra and mosaic mm-hmm. sure right but uh if you go to 2007 there would have been no such beers around so idaho 7 by the way came out in 2015 Azaka 2013 strata that's a Pretty popular hop these days came out in 2018. That's pretty
0: good. That plays
1: well with other hops too. It's it's nice. So, you know, part of what happened with the IPAs is like all of a sudden the palette of which the brewer could create flavors expanded a lot. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the evolution of the IPA. If we go back to era one, let's say Commodore Perry, right? That was Mm -hmm. Great Lakes IPA. Uh, That's made with Simcoe, Willamette, and Cascade hops. It's interesting they build it as an English IPA, although none of the, <laughs> none of those hops are very English in in my estimation. And maybe they didn't brew it with those hops back in the early days. Do you have any knowledge of that, Rick?
2: Yeah, I don't recall. I I just know trying it now, it tastes so, at least to me, dated compared to everything else that's out. How about a
1: beer like Two Hearted IPA um, Bell's? Because that is that's an entirely centennial hop beer, I believe. At least mm-hmm. it was in the day. I think it still is. Have you guys had one of those recently? I haven't had one recently. Uh, recently. I had one a couple months ago. It's good. Still good. Yeah. You know, but then again, I'm an old guy. <laughs> I'm sure I that, that recipe's
0: say? changed a lot, Pat, too. Probably.
1: You know, speaking of IPAs, that kind of takes me to the King of Ohio contest that, Rick, you were a big driving force behind that, and I, I was also involved in that. How did that
2: get started? You contacted me about doing it. I mean, I don't even remember. I know it was you, me, and Tom, and. Um, right, so oh, not everybody knows, but there's Tom Aguero, who
1: had right, a blog in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati,
2: and, and um, then these two guys from Toledo area, Ron and Corey. And Corey now runs Twin Oast Brewing Company. Oh, is that right? Okay, I've um, heard a lot of great things about that right. brewery. Yeah. Um, and they had
1: something called the Brew Review Crew. Yes, and they did. I think they did them like on YouTube or something like that.
2: And they had a blog. Yes, that's true. Yep. And for the life of me, I can't remember. I'm embarrassed that I say I can't remember the other guy. Out of Cleveland. Oh,
1: there was another guy.
2: Yeah. Who wrote a great blog. It yeah. looked phenomenal. And if he's listening, I, I apologize. I don't understand why I don't r- recall his name other than I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> that's enough. Yeah. So there were five of us that kind of started it. And that first year was a little bit goofy the way we did it. And we had people vote yeah. on like what they wanted us to taste. And it was a really tough competition because y- you had nothing good coming out of northwest ohio at the time and although in the end i will say i remember the winner musk of the minotaur
1: yes by Hoofhearted. wasn't it wet hopped too it, it was half wet hopped <laughs> <laughs> because they had intended to make a, a wet hop beer and they ordered the hops to be shipped in and they realized actually you need a lot more hops uh wet hops than you do dry hops and i think if I'm not mistaken, the runner up would have been headhunter. Now
0: Musk won at the time. Yeah, yeah. It did. I remember we gave him the belt over at yeah, Ohio Hoof right.
1: Hoofhearted was pretty small back
0: then. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that was not a hazy beer either. Let's no, make that no, well no. known mm-hmm. that
1: Hoofhearted had not done anything hazy at that point. They were really one of the pioneers of the hazy beers. Yeah. And right. they got into it not because they were trying to make them hazy, just they were trying to make them hoppier and hoppier and hoppier, uh-huh. right? You know, we had Trevor Williams from Hoof on one of the early episodes, episode four of this podcast, and he was like, yeah, somebody compared our beer to chicken soup the other day. <laughs> 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 you know, but they've been very successful, and, yeah. and I have to say, we picked a great brewery. Right. Now, I made a little list for the sake of the show of the iterations of The King of Ohio. Mm-hmm. 2014 was the first year, and then for whatever reason, first of all, I think when we started it, it wasn't, we didn't plan initially it would be every year. no. But the next one was in 2016. We did session beers. Mm-hmm. You remember the winner there?
2: Well, I'm looking at your sheet here, yeah. <laughs> um, and we did it down in Columbus. That's right. We did it at the uh, North Market. North right.
1: Market
0: Brew Fest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Were you judging on that one, Mark? No. Oh, well, you came, came and took pictures. I came by, I took some pictures. Yeah. I didn't have all day. I, I was busy doing something else. Yeah. So, and the winner was uh, Streetside Brewing, right down in mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Yeah. And they. They've been a very raspberry successful brewery Yeah, yeah Streetside
0: was solid when they started. They were they were pretty good. They really were into putting a lot of puree in your beer and like pastry. A, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, a lot of sours and yeah. well, maybe all of that. Yeah, but that particular beer was a raspberry sour. Yeah. yeah, at Land Grant we did a collab with them. Got fuzz. Like oh, that's got right. milk <laughs> milk carton
2: <laughs>
0: for peach. But oh my god, I mean it was like just drinking puree almost.
1: <laughs> it was insane how fruity that was. Then 2017, the theme was Stouts and Porters. I have to take this opportunity to say I was out of the country uh, traveling at that time. I wasn't part of this one, but uh, you were part of that one, Rick, and that was up here. Uh, We
2: we held that at uh, Thirsty Dog Brewing Company. Okay, cool. I think that was one of the first years, I can't remember if the 2016, that we really started bringing in certified judges where, you know, before – You and I know what we're talking about, but we actually brought people in who were nationally known, Mm. you know, judges that could, you know, judge the final table. So I think brewers really appreciated that, too, because we weren't just some clowns sitting in the basement, you know, saying, oh, this beer is good. Let's (laughs) pick this (laughs) one. I mean, it was really uh, well done there podcast was founded by clowns
1: (laughs) drinking (laughs) beer in a basement
0: i'll just have you know
1: well no offense taken yes that's fine i i own up to that but that you're also kind of a surprise winner right if you were to say where's well i
2: i i guess not surprised by the Mm. brand necessarily because you know they make great beer we should probably tell people who was the winner
0: yellow springs i've never had maxed out stout either and we just opened a yellow springs in our neighborhood, actually in the old crest in Clintonville. So which great. Happy to have them, but I've never had maxed out stout nor even seen it.
2: I don't know if that name still exists at this yeah, point, you yeah. know, so many years later, but it was commercially available. Yeah.
1: Cool. And then the last two, we did one in 2018. That was Belgian style. Just. I think you advocated for... I'm a big fan of Belgian styles, and I had to convince everybody else, I had to convince you mainly to do that, but we had a lot of entries, and it was fun. We did that at the Smokehouse Brewing Company, which just recently closed. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I stopped over. You were barely a puddle when I arrived. Oh, yeah. Well, there was a lot of beer left over at the (laughs) end, and I have to say, I was a little too uh, enthusiastic on finishing up the leftovers, Uh but... You know, speaking of rocky times, the winner that year was Rock Mill's Petite Saison. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Rock Mill's future is pretty uncertain mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, yeah,
0: it really is. And, you know, they just had that article come out with all the details on Matt Barbie. And, yeah, all I can say for Matt Barbie, he is a great ice skater. That'll give you.
1: <laughs> That's right, because you guys were on the, the, no, Brew on the, BrewDog, the BrewDog
0: show. BrewDog TV show, Brewing yeah. Beer on Ice. And uh, <laughs> I was stiff as a board, but convinced I was not going to fall. Mm. And... Colin Castor, uh, of Seven Son. I mean, he fell so many times. He wasn't even <laughs> falling anymore. He's just laying on the ice. But man, Matt Barbie can fucking skate. Wow. Okay. Like, oh, really impressive. God. It's kind of a sad story to know that Rock Mill's going down in some capacity. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine anybody wanting to buy a brewery for $7 million and keep somebody else's name on the front of it. Like, you'd want to do your own right. thing. I mean, I love Rock Mill though. Absolutely love it. And their beers, man, that Petite Saison is fucking mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Really
2: good beer. Mm-hmm.
1: And then the last time we did it, and probably the last time it'll be done,
2: although. Yeah, be- I mean, unless we resurrected. Yeah. Um, well, resurrect. when we retire, resurrect. we can bring it back. resurrect. Yeah. I'm uh, retired. Let's do it. Yeah, okay.
1: Well, I mean, people don't understand, but
2: actually, it's a lot of work to do this. It was an amazing amount of work to do. And everything that we did was all volunteer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would put my own money into it. I'm sure you did too yep, on yep. some things. And like the awards that we handed out, I went over and I paid for the yeah. prize myself. That belt and,
0: was cool. That yeah, the belt that, right. that we did yeah, yeah, at yeah, first. Yeah. And
2: then we had really nice yeah. engraved, you know, awards, um, uh, uh-huh. that's that, cool that we paid for
1: and it made me feel good uh, last summer or maybe the summer before i was up in cleveland and we were at noble beast mm-hmm. and yeah. i noticed they've got a banner they've got, right. banner yeah. hanging and that that was that was very cool Hell you know? yeah yeah
2: again that that competition was so different in that you know and maybe we we should have explained this at the beginning breweries could enter one beer one yeah. beer only and we were doing one style yeah, yeah. And, which is cool so, right so you had to pick your best Beer that you wanted. If we were doing stouts and porters, you had to send in one beer. That's it, yeah. and we didn't charge. Yeah. It was it was all yeah. free. And not, I, not I know now we would we
1: would drive around and pick yeah. them up.
2: Yeah, and we
0: drove yeah. around. Yeah, drove around and collected all the. Beer. Here's the problem, though. That's the only problem because really, if you charge people twenty bucks an entry sure. and they had to mail it to you, right? It'd be done. I mean, yeah. that, that would help a lot and help pay for the periphery, help well, pay for. The award, I think. This, this think conversation back right back. here yeah. Yeah. says King of Ohio is coming back. But
2: we actually had some clowns criticizing us, saying that oh, we just do this to get free beer <laughs> yeah. sent to us. Oh yeah, and that's I'm what like, it is. Do you have any clue like the right. amount of time that I put into this and yeah. amount of money I put into this? And I'm not leaving there with free beer. <laughs> yeah. We ask people to send like two bottles. Yeah, those are for How samples. Is, yeah. yeah, I know. Those How is, for is the that judges? asking yeah. for yeah. like? That's uh, ridiculous. Um, but yeah, that that was kind of comical. But. Yeah, it was it was a very unusual beer competition. Yeah. And I still get brewers asking me when we're gonna resurrect it.
0: Twenty twenty four. I'm may, calling may it right. here. Okay, yeah. All right. It, I got time on my hands. I've only got I got Euchre, I got Euchre, <laughs> I got this Oktoberfest <laughs> consulting
1: job. Other than that, I'm go. open. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Just to finish, though, in 2019 we held a competition down at Mad Tree Mad Tree Brewing in uh-huh. Cincinnati, and that that we went back to IPAs. We went back to IPAs because it's so popular. Yes, oh boy. And, well, it was uh, appropriate for <laughs> 2019, is. right? Absolutely. And the
2: winner was Fatheads Strange Magic. You know, which unbelievably I think is a phenomenal beer, and I actually enjoy Strange Magic more than Headhunter. Oh
0: wow! Okay, That's uh, okay. cool high praise uh, i i mean they it, make killer beer all right. their beers are great and they clean up in competition and i think all of Fatheads' beers and this is the way i always looked at competitions because when you're sitting there with a glass only and you're doing sensory and right. you're trying to think it through and you know the criteria of the style if you get just a teeny bit more of everything. To where you're like, oh no, I totally get that. I totally get that. Right. I totally get that. They check all the boxes on their recipe. They always do. And they're always just amped up that little extra tenth, you know, that
1: gets them in there and they just clean up. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean that's maybe a good argument to make more than one IPA. Yeah. yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Moving us away from the IP, I've got another beer out of Rick's 50 craft beers you
0: must try. Holy moly. i got to tell you, I'm excited about this one. You had mentioned it when you were talking online about doing this.
2: I did. Why, Why don't you introduce this beer, Rick, and I'll pour us up. The Butcher and the Brewer Albino Stout. As far as I know, I think Eric Anderson, when he was brewing at Butcher and Brewer... I believe this was the first white stout in Ohio. Okay. I don't recall another one. And I mean, that's that's one of the reasons that I highlighted it in the book. And again, it's, it's kind of funny to say now, you know, these are common everywhere. But back then, it was a really unusual
1: beer. I mean, this is a style that really messes with your brain, right? Yes. Yeah. When you look at it, I mean, it looks like I'm about to drink, you know, a Dortmunder or something uh-huh. like that, right? But when you taste it, oh man, <laughs> it's a surprise! Right? So good. What are the ingredients that they go into taking? I mean, basically, you're you're brewing something that would be, you know, a golden ale, but you're using different adjuncts that you're putting in yeah, to the, the right. coffee, and you got the coffee, the cacao nibs, or something like that. Probably some vanilla. I think there must be vanilla there must in here. Be. Mm, I give vanilla for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think there's a thicker mouthfeel. Like there might be some. Uh, Or maybe some uh, oat oat or wheat in the crust. Or maybe even some milk sugar. You know, some, uh, what is that? (laughs) I'm having a a lactose. Lactose, yeah. I think that vanilla makes it sweet. I I think the perception of sweetness from the vanilla. Yeah
0: Yeah.
2: I didn't even realize they were cannabis. I went in to buy some singles and I saw this. I'm like, oh, we're going to have this one. Yeah. It's delicious. and, And I mean, now too, like, look at what Daybreak. Oh, yeah. At Wolf's
1: Ridge, right, uh, Wolf's, Clear Sky Daybreak. Right. Yeah.
2: Back in, I, I guess it would have been like 2015, 2016, you know, when I'm I'm putting together that book. I mean, this was a revolutionary, eye-opening beer. Like you said, it messes with your brain. You look at it and you think, oh, it's going to taste one way. And it tastes the opposite. And ta- <laughs> right. Yeah. So for those of us in central Ohio or southern Ohio,
1: tell us a little bit about Butcher and the Brewer. Butcher
2: and the Brewer is a brew pub that Opened um, right downtown Cleveland, right around, you know, the the baseball stadium, the basketball arena, and has been kind of a successful restaurant. It's kind of, like, and, it's on a pedestrian only street, is that right? right. And some other, I can't remember, does Michael Simon own a restaurant on that street, or at least he did at yeah, one point? Yeah, maybe, and, maybe, could be. Um,
0: There's a lot of good walking so, distance breweries there, too. Right. I mean, Masthead. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the one you just
1: mentioned? Noble,
0: Noble Beast. Beast, Noble Beast, right. amazing
1: brewery. Like, there's a great little, yeah, right. triangle of breweries to hit there. Yep. If you were going to advise someone traveling in and they only had a day or so in Cleveland, would would you send them to that part of town?
2: I, I guess I would hope that they'd be able to. Maybe to could do hit both. Both. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. Ohio City's not far at no, all. A from, few from, minutes from, driving, right? And and probably a mile walking, you know, yeah. or mile and a half or whatever it might be, but. I guess if if you had one destination in mind in Cleveland, you'd have to go for me to the Cradle, which would be Great Lakes. I mean, you'd kind of yeah. have to start sure. in that Ohio City because yeah. that's kind of where everything began here in in Ohio. And you got Market Garden across the street, yep. and then Nano Brew, and now around the corner Saucy. And um, um, last time I went to Ohio City, I went to a place called Bookhouse Brewing, which yes, is pretty book, cool. Bookhouse oh, yeah. Brewing, yeah. which I've never heard of them.
1: Yep. They're they're a great little place, yeah, and in cool. fact, there's a lot of books actually. Exactly <laughs> yeah. right, but it's a small
2: little place, but they, okay. they make really good beer. Uh, Man, cool. Um, and then around the corner, you basically have like Noble Beast, which is phenomenal. You yeah. have Masthead, which is you know one of my wife's and I our, our favorite places. It's there. It's a great place. Pizza's so um, good too. Pe- right. Plan um, your
0: food stop there. Right. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, that, and and they're all like within this. Little area. Yeah, they are. But again, I mean, starting out, if you've never been there, I guess I'd start out in Ohio City, again, at Great Lakes. And then I guess you have Hansa, too, right there. And I'm going to leave a bunch of places out, but there's so many breweries right in that area. At at one point, I thought I kind of mapped it out that that was like the greatest concentration of breweries, craft breweries in Ohio, just because you have four-city, brick-and-barrel, Great Lakes, Market Garden, Nano Brew, Hansa, Bookhouse, Saucy. And then you also, at one point, you had another brewery in there that kind of went under. So again, at one point, it was like ground zero. Yeah. If you wanted to just kind of walk around.
1: One of the things that we alluded to earlier, I just want to loop back to, and that would be, you know, the legislature and the laws governing beer in Ohio. And there were two changes that happened during the teens, one of which I think was way more important than the other. But one of them was this A1C license, right. which uh, you alluded to earlier. And not, not only, well, what are the details on that? First of all, I think it dropped the price from
2: $4,000 to a $1,000. Basically, before you had to, um, you know, buy a completely separate license if you wanted to serve on premise. So, I mean, if you were a production brewery, you had to by a separate license, which basically you were paying double for your licensing for the state, but wineries didn't have to do the, the same thing, which made no there sense. There was a double standard. Yeah. So once that changed, you know, and you were allowed to sell on premise, and the license fee went from what was it, thirty nine hundred to a thousand? Is that what it yep, was? Yeah, that's what it was. Um, it made such a huge difference because if you're somebody who wants to launch a brewery and you don't have a ton of money. It created the rise of like the nano breweries. Well, I remember meeting you one time at uh, Zaftig Brewing yeah. back
1: when we were basically brewing in this uh, like a storage shed, and, and yes. like and this kit was like basically a big homebrew kit, basically. Right? Mm-hmm. People probably wouldn't pay four thousand dollars a year to, to do, be able that. To do yeah, that, right? Yeah, because you couldn't sell enough beer, making it you know ten gallons at a time to pay that kind right. of
2: right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that made a huge difference. And uh, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, you had production breweries who didn't want to spend the extra thousands of dollars to get a license, you know, because they're like, eh, is anybody going to come? Is it going to be worth it? And there was one brewery in Ohio... That actually bought a license before the law changed. It was Thirsty Dog. And they bought a separate license to sell on premise. Yeah. And, you know, I talked to John Naeway about it. And he's like, holy hell, if I knew the response right. of beer drinkers, <laughs> I would have done this a long time ago. Because yeah. people just flooded there. Let, let's face it, man. I mean. You want to ba- drink it there. Yeah. And back then. You know, the novelty of going into a brewery yeah. and drinking as opposed to, you know, a brew pub Yeah, mm-hmm. that was a little yeah. bit more restaurant-y?
1: Well, let's move into the modern era. Does that uh, mean we get another beer? The modern we, yeah, era. <laughs> we got another beer. This is our last beer
2: of the show, but it oh, is... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking out one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, we ain't fucking around. We got the barrel age, too. I know.
1: I saw that. Bourbon barrel, oil of Aphrodite oh, yeah. from Jackie O's. You know, of all of the breweries that have really succeeded in Ohio, maybe Jackie O's is the most improbable. They're certainly in the most rural part of the state. To make that rise. To get up to, they're in the category which... uh Brewers Association calls a regional brewery sure. over 15,000 barrels per year.
2: And, I, I mean, you do have a phenomenal number of drunks that go to Ohio <laughs> U. Um, so. So, so you got the home base. you got the home base that will <laughs> oh, keep, yeah. keep you going. I mean, Athens <laughs> is uh, kind of uh, exceptional – from a beer point of view, uh, oh, I'm getting the dirty looks because oh. my, my wife's an OU grad. So, oh, okay. I, I know, <laughs> I, know, I, know a, I know, a lot of OU grads. We
0: love Athens. What is this? Was Pat talking
2: shit? I, that was it. Was Rick. it was me? <laughs> I, okay. I I know a lot of OU grads. It's a great place. A great location. And I also know it's a big party on Court Street. That's why I was kidding that when you say, hey, it's kind of unusual that it would. And I'm like, oh, they got yeah. a built-in well, like, audience there. But I'm, well, I, I, I don't think the
1: undergrads are throwing parties with kegs of oil of Aphrodite. Absolutely I'm not. Sure. I'm not even sure they're throwing parties with kegs of Ricky. Uh,
2: no, yep. I think they're throwing uh, <laughs> parties with Hudipole. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that, <laughs> <Hewdy> right? Delight. <laughs> Ricky's pretty cheap, <laughs> Little though. Kings, yeah. if they could get Little yes. Kings,
2: yes. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, actually, you know, with your Ohio-New York connection, do you have an affinity for males?
2: I'm a big cream ale fan. I really love walking into a brewery and, you know, seeing a cream ale on. Yeah. And you guys know, and, and the advice I got years ago was, man, if you ever want to judge a brewery, go in and get their lightest beer. Yeah. Because they're not going to be it's able true. to, like, cover it's up any eye. Yeah. flaws, yeah. yeah, anything. I'm trying to think of, like... How many places make cream meals? I know JFB has one that I really okay. enjoy. Well, um, um, I mean, the Wolfs Ridge. Wolfs
1: Ridge. Uh, right. The Clear Sky. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, clear Sky Daybreak. But it, but it started as cream ale. It before did. They right. Put the coffee mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen the non coffee version of that. I would agree. It's so popular and it's won so many awards. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, Talking about influential beers in Ohio, maybe we could go that route a bit. As I said on an earlier podcast, there's way more coffee blonde ales in Ohio than there are just about anywhere else in the country.
2: Yeah. Do, do I get to throw out the, yeah. um, where did coffee beers come from? Tell yeah, please us. do. I didn't know. Where did they come from? No, I, th- this is half joking. Oh. But there, there was a story that I always wanted to do, and it was the Drew Carey Show, and he started a brewery in his garage, Buzz Beer, yep, and yep. it was a coffee beer. And again, that was well before the proliferation of, of coffee beers. And I always wanted to find out who the heck came up with the idea of a coffee beer. And I know originally I, I went to the Brewers Association I think it was the Brewers Association and was trying to figure out like who made the first coffee beer. And I guess there are examples of coffee beers, like going back to world expos, like, you oh, know, okay. in, in the early 1900s and things. Oh, really? So it, it was around. Drew Carey show was the 80s, right? No, late 80s, no, early 90s 90s, 90s, 90s. 90s. Who's making a coffee beer back then? <laughs> yeah, I, nobody. I, I mean, seriously, nope. no one is. Nobody. Drew had a pool table in their backyard
0: back then? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Drew Carey is cutting edge. Playing in the rain. <laughs> oh, my God, I the, love this show you know, so much.
2: And I tried so hard to hook up with Bruce Helford, who was a writer, and producer on the show okay. to talk and get the story behind, what's the story <laughs> yeah. behind Buzz Beer? Where did they even come up with the idea? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I just was never able to connect. It was always like, wow. he's too busy, or yeah, it was the, if he wants to talk to you, he'll get back to you, and I never <laughs> heard from him. But, I, I mean, I look at that, and I'm like, for me, that's where Coffee Beers okay. came from. It's a great question. <laughs> yeah, yeah I love it. It's a good answer. And it's Ohio. And it's Ohio.
1: We've talked a lot about the past, but let's just take a minute and say, you know, what do we think the future holds? If you look at the statistics, the volume of craft beer has it plateaued, yeah. it's leveled off, the number of breweries opening and closing. I mean, in central Ohio, actually, it's down a little bit in 2023. There's fewer breweries at the end of 2023 than there were in 2022.
2: Where do you think things are going? You know, it's funny. At one point I said, the sky's the limit, simply because if you were opening a brewery that was going to be the like brewery for your town, was going to be the place in your community, I I figured every town in Ohio could support one. And to a certain degree, I still... I think that's still largely true. Right. But I think the problem has become, if anybody wants to build their brewery based on distribution, I don't know that that model... It's a dumb idea right now. that's a really tough... That
0: profit margin is so freaking low. Right. Especially if you're selling a distributor, that drops another 30%. You would only be best served to make a small brewery and hand the beer right to the customer.
2: I still think there's like room for growth for those like small tap rooms. You're probably going to see like the production numbers for regional breweries have gone down. Yeah, they will continue to go down because let's face it, like all beer is local, you know, eat local, drink local. And so, you know, if you got a choice, you know, between. Buying something that's made outside your community and something that's made in it, you're probably going to make the choice of buying something as long as it doesn't suck yeah um, you know made local being in a
0: small community, especially like Columbus where they break all these neighborhoods out I mean real estate agents did it originally to make all these borders, but if you can say, oh, this is a Clintonville brewery I only get sure. you know I go here this is my favorite in Clintonville, and every everyone has two or three right. everybody's gonna pick. One or two as a favorite It's like the neighborhood
1: bar It is It's just a neighborhood bar At this point Here's a question for you On that When A brewery from elsewhere Opens in a tap room In your city Is it accepted In the same way It depends on what city Some cities are Very loyal
0: To their own town Cleveland doesn't mind a lot. Columbus doesn't give a shit. Cincinnati, if you're not Cincinnati, <laughs> right. you ain't shit, you know? So they're only supporting their own. Right. But like Yellow Springs coming to Clintonville, couldn't be
2: happier to I have mean, another place. Well, to go in Columbus, eat,
1: eat a burger and have a beer. You got Yellow Springs. You've yep. got, well,
2: I mean, Jackie O's.
1: Jackie O's. You've
2: got um, Taft's. Saucy. Saucy. I think the industry is going to kind of right size to a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, we're gonna see um, you know, some breweries that are producing crappy beer just disappear. As you guys probably know, I, I mean, I've been really disappointed traveling around when I am able to get out now that I visit some place and I'm like, why did this place even open? Yeah, but it's I it's mean,
0: almost appalling at this point. There are so many resources. Right. There's no reason that you should not make
2: no, but decent if, beer. I know, this but day and if you age. don't like, yeah. understand is, yeah. if you open a place and the beer is awful, I'm like... How, what, Doesn't even make what, sense. What, what was, yeah, what was the thinking here? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't understand when there's so many great options available. Like, was your mom and grandmother telling you that <laughs> they enjoyed the beer? Right. And that, exactly. You know, what what happened right. here? Yeah. So hopefully there'll be some, like, right-sizing there where some of the places that really shouldn't
1: be open close. Oh, yeah.
2: Close.
1: I think that's going to happen for sure.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I do worry about some of the places that are regional operations mm. that built their models on distribution. Of yeah. like, especially as people are gravitating towards seltzers and cocktails and yeah. things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, that's eating into sure. you know their potential customers. What well, kind of goes back a little bit? We were talking about era one.
1: There was a correction in the late '90s. Where there were people thinking, ah, oh, well, just open a brewery is a good way to make money. Right. And uh, who were not passionate about beer or, or maybe didn't understand it that well. I mean, I think we're in those same kind of days now. So I, I'm expecting that we're going to have, yeah, several, maybe four or five years where things are pretty flat. Openings and closings yeah. are about the same. And yeah, we'll see be. where we go from there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, my beer's empty. Well, I think we, we, <laughs> we have accomplished our mission, right? Yeah. Uh, Rick, Man, it's been great talking oh, yeah. you about this. You know, oh, yeah. thanks for uh, being see on you the guys show again. again too. It's been likewise, a while. Likewise. likewise. Yeah. Well, cheers, gentlemen. My yep, yeah, yeah. glasses are empty, but we can still do it. Quickly. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. <laughs>